For Real Agriculture, I'm Kelvin Hepner at Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon, Manitoba, and pleased to be joined now fresh off the stage by Chris Vervait of uh, the Canadian Oilseed Processors Association. And Chris, it's been nearly two years now since we saw a series of announcements of uh, new crush capacity to be built in Western Canada, mainly in Saskatchewan, canola crush capacity. Where are we at in, uh, in having that capacity uh, actually built and followed through on to where we, uh, where we see that new demand for farmers canola in Western Canada? Yeah, thanks for the question, Calvin. Uh, so over the last couple of years, we certainly did see a lot of announcements, a flurry of announcements in terms of crush capacity in Saskatchewan. Some of those announcements are starting to become shovels in the ground. Uh, so we have seen some progress, a lot of progress, in fact, on the build out of the capacity at uh, Richardson in Yorkton. Uh, we also saw the announcement made by Cargill, of course, in terms of building their plant in Regina. They recently, I think it was two months ago, had their groundbreaking ceremony, so ground has been broken there as well. So we're definitely starting to see some of these announcements now come to fruition. We have seen one project suspended, for now at least, uh, at Northgate, Saskatchewan. What's the total number now that we're working with in terms of increased crush capacity, to put some context around this? Sure. So again, a couple of years ago, there was that flurry of announcements where we saw four and, and five, if you include the one from Northgate. Uh, so we are now with four facilities that have been announced and when you add up the crush capacity that has been announced from those facilities, it totals roughly uh, 6 million additional tons of canola crush capacity. So we're still at 6 million right now, additional. What is that in percentage increase, a, a 50% increase? That's a 50% increase from our current crush capacity, yes. So where's that canola going to come from? We've had a few years now to, to work through that, uh, that thought process. What's the, the thought on where that supply is going to come from, or does this simply displace exports to, uh, to some overseas customers? Well, as I was presenting this morning, we still have a high degree of optimism that over the next decade, canola supplies will continue to increase. Um, there's no reason to believe why that wouldn't happen. When you look at canola production increases, just on yield alone, uh, over the last 20 years, you see about a, an annual increase in yields, again, going back over 20 or 30 years, of about 2 to 3%. So just on that fact alone, and you extrapolate 2 or 3% annual growth in yield over the next 10 years, maybe finding some additional acres, uh, for example, the brown soil zone gets mentioned, acreage expansion in the United States is still feasible. We could see uh, 29 to 30 million tons of canola production out to 2030. Um, there's challenges there. Uh, we know what those challenges are, but again, we have optimism that we will reach um, maybe not exactly that target, but that we'll continue to see that trajectory of increased production. It'd be a, a longer term uh, change, but do you see a, a shift in varieties or genetics to higher oil content, more of an emphasis on, on oil to supply this new demand for, for canola oil? It's a great question. It's a question I get often in terms of what does this mean, all this new demand for variety development. Increased oil content varieties is a discussion point that does come up. Is it feasible? Maybe that's a question for somebody else who's got the know-how, but certainly that could be a huge driver in terms of yield. Maybe not bushels per acre, but in terms of the amount of vegetable oil or canola oil that you can get from the seed, which will really help produce productivity as well. A lot of this, or maybe all of it, is, is being driven by renewable fuel uh, standards or clean fuel standards by governments both in, in the U.S. And, and in Canada. Where are we at on that front, the policy side of things that is driving this demand that these companies are, are making the investment in, in crush capacity? 
Yeah, we've seen a lot of progress over the last year alone in terms of some of these low carbon fuel standards or other policies incentives that are driving demand for canola. Most notably, last year in July of 2022, the federal government uh, published the final regulation for the clean fuel standard. That starts to get implemented next July. Uh, so that's one big driver that we see coming down the pike for the next five or 10 years in terms of renewable fuel demand. We also had another significant development uh, in terms of canola finally being approved by the EPA as a feedstock for production of renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel in the United States. Piggybacking as well on some of the policies and incentives that are coming down the pike in the United States as more stringent low carbon fuel standard in California is under development. We see low carbon fuel standards uh, being implemented now in places like Washington. So it, it appears anyway that over the next five or 10 years, and now that we finally have our pathway approved, that the opportunities for increased canola demand in the United States market it looks pretty robust as well. So from a farmer's perspective, we know, of course, we, we deliver the canola to the, the crush plant, and the crush plant is only the, the first stage, though, in that processing chain. Where is it going to go from these new crush plants or the crush plants that are already existing in Western Canada? Where does it go from there, and, and where is that infrastructure at or that part of the, the chain at in terms of its development? So traditionally, and really over most of the time that we've been crushing canola um, and this is not going to change going forward the canola oil is going to move in tank cars by railway um, that is the key component of getting our products to market it has always been for our traditional food markets or our feed markets and that's not going to change in terms of how we get product to market for the renewable fuel industry will some of that refining be happening in in western canada i know there is some work in in saskatchewan on that front as well in terms of refining the oil like renewable diesel manufacturing oh for sure um, there's been similar to the flurry of announcements that we saw in crush capacity in saskatchewan over the last number of years we saw the same thing happen for renewable diesel capacity uh, currently in canada there's not a lot of renewable diesel being produced but over the last again just a couple of years we've seen announcements by imperial oil by federated co-op by parkland to um, produce renewable diesel in Canada to the tune of maybe as much as 4 billion litres uh, come 2027. Do you see sustainable aviation fuel also being produced in, in Canada? Yes, I think that's part of the calculus when we see these announcements being made on renewable diesel. Renewable diesel can be converted, so to speak, uh, to sustainable aviation fuel. So when we see the renewable diesel production capacity announcements, Part of the equation is to produce sustainable aviation fuel as well. Looking into the, the future, what do you see as kind of the next milestone or next target that COPA or, or crushers are, are working towards in terms of the next, I guess, maturation of, uh, of this new demand for this industry? Yeah, I think it's a very exciting time, not just for COPA in terms of, you know, the opportunities that are in place for the processing community. This is really a whole canola value chain um, opportunity that's in front of us at the moment. And um, there's many different factors that need to be considered with regards to the evolution of our industry. We see new players coming into the industry, which is terrific. We see different uses for canola. And ultimately, we see canola playing a larger role in the efforts to reduce greenhouse gas emission reductions. Are we seeing more investment? I know there's some talk about this in the U.S., uh, the in increased interest from uh, traditional energy companies in, in biofuels. 
in the past they've been more combative and now they're they're working together more so in the U.S. Is that also happening in Canada? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the best example of that partnership between agriculture and the oil and gas industry is the joint venture between Federated Co-op and AGT um, in Regina. Um, But there's examples in the United States as well where you see ADM and Marathon, for example, partnering. You see Bungie and Chevron partnering. Um, it's really great to see uh, where we have major players in both ag and in oil and gas coming together for a common goal here, right? Uh, to create economic op- uh, to create that economic opportunity, but also reduce those greenhouse gas emissions from transportation fuels. So this is all talking about the canola value chain in Western Canada. What about soybeans? Soybeans also follow under uh, under the oilseed processors association uh, under your scope. We've seen investment in new soybean crush capacity in the northern U.S. Do you see some of this uh, impacting soybean demand as well in, in Canada, maybe more so in eastern Canada than in the west, but potentially in, in Manitoba? I think so. At a high level, when you see more demand for oil seeds, whether it's canola, whether it's soybeans in North America, that's going to float everybody's boat. Um, there's just going to be more of a draw on those products, which creates opportunities for really any oil seed that one grows in Canada and the U.S. and and perhaps even globally because what we see coming down the pike with regards to expansion for renewable fuel production is quite significant. All right, well, thanks for your time and your insight. We're definitely following these developments as they they continue to unfold here, Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much.